Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 106th edition of the Final Score Network podcast. I'm Ryan. He's Andy. We're back. Uh, January the 10th, 2023. Uh, lots happened uh, in the last week since we uh, last visited. Um, College football is over, sad. I guess that means, what, seven months, seven and a half months until week zero. Now it's recruiting in spring football. Yeah, well, recruiting is not really even a thing anymore. No. Not right now, at least. I mean, for 2024, but not 2023. Um, NFL playoff picture is set. Um, college basketball conference play is going, going steady. Um, it's a great time. Lots of news coming out. Um, yeah, there's a national championship game last night. Probably watched five seconds of it and... He witnessed a mass murder, um, pretty terrible. Um, it was more like an assassination. I don't, I don't know. It was bad. Quick. It was a quick, painful, quick, easy death for TCU. We'll say that. we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, we'll go to the podium. Um, as always, I'll go first. I'm not usually one to to get angry in my podium, but I think I, I might might be a little angry in this one. That at the time I was very very upset. Now I've kind of cooled off, but I might get going again. That I want to talk about the NFL. You know, you see these TikToks out there, stuff, NFL's fixed, NFL's fixed. I'm like, yeah, you know, you can see it with some stuff. After Sunday, I wholeheartedly believe that some of the stuff is planned. Because, yes, the Lions, which we'll get to more in depth later, the Lions should not have to rely on someone else to get in the playoffs. I completely understand that. They should not have started 1-6, laid an egg. Um, and put your hopes on someone else winning or losing to get in um, instead of just taking care of your own business. I completely understand that. But in that Seattle versus Rams game, there were a few things that made me wonder, hmm, was this planned? I mean, this, the Rams looked pretty good for how banged up they were. Um, Baker Mayfield, he's, he's pretty terrible. Well, I mean, we're gonna be, I'll be honest here, he's pretty terrible. And they were winning that game. You know, halftime in going late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, and then some stuff started happening. This running into the kicker penalty happens where the guy kicks the ball, he lands. It's not like he was following through on his kick. He had two feet on the ground. The guy from the Rams is pushed backwards into him. The guy's flying backwards, and the kicker flops. Running into the kicker penalty, whatever, roughing the kicker, first down. When, if the Rams had gotten the, which they should have had the ball back, could have gone up, milked more clock, Potentially won that game. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. That drive stays alive. And was that later in that drive with the late hit, or was that later in the game? No, it was later. It was later. Game. Later in the game, the late hit. Geno Smith, you know, takes off running, gets a big gain, runs out of bounds, like a yard out of bounds, runs square into Jalen Ramsey, and he goes flying. Actually, he's hurt. Really wasn't hurt. And they call unnecessary roughness, late hit out of bounds. What do you want the guy to do? No forearm shiver, no drop no. his shoulder, nothing. He's standing there. Standing like, there what do you want? I mean, himself. yeah, he maybe should have gotten out of the way, but what, 
it, it's not like it was four yards out of bounds. Runs right into him, and then DK Metcalf pers- uh, tries to take Ramsey's head off after that happens. Starts shoving, pointing, all this stuff going after him, and nothing happens. And somehow, by the grace of God, Seattle misses the kick. Um, sh- so that should have been a taunting penalty. And then, in overtime, you know, Rams get the ball back. Baker throws a pick to Diggs. Great interception. And then he starts taunting the Rams' sideline. Showing them the ball. Saying stuff to him, obviously. Gloating and just being an ass. Taunting a former That's teammate. That's a taunting penalty. And it wasn't called. Like, how does this happen, NFL? Like, you miss this officiating crew of apparently 20 years together, some some veteran crew, and you miss these this many goals. That's just off the top of my head. call from a couple years ago. It's same ridiculous. Thing. Blatant, blatant misses that, you know, a lot of times like that Tim Donahue in the NBA. Just subtle stuff. Subtle stuff that took a while for people to catch on to. Some of this stuff is blatantly obvious. It's egregious. And, and humans make mistakes, but like You're this many mistakes in a row at a key juncture, way. that's like if you don't raise your eyebrows to that, I'm, I'm just saying. Sports betting is legal in a lot more states than it ever used to be. There's a lot of stuff going on. NBC got what they wanted. They had the highest Sunday night yeah, viewership I mean, in forever. That's what I was right? just going to get to. I mean, it, it obviously has to do with money. I mean... Mm-hmm. The NFL knew they put they strategically placed the Seattle game at four twenty five and the Lions versus Packers at eight twenty because they knew that they would have the whole Midwest media market watching the game. They knew Packers fans would watch it. They knew Lions fans would watch it. They probably thought Bears fans, you know, Vikings fans, they'd watch it because otherwise that game that game shouldn't even been on TV in in our area and it was and it was that's ridiculous. And then they. They make the Lions fans wait it out, and then they place that game at 8-20. The Seahawks win, so then their fans have to watch the 8-20 game to see if the Packers are going to lose and the Lions pull out a miraculous win, which we'll get to later. It's just, it's sour grapes is what it is. I, it, It's BS. I don't get it. I mean, I do. It's for money, but it's also, I mean, that was egregious. But I'm not going to I'm not gonna say that's where the Lions missed the playoffs. I just think that's... Uh, the the Rams should have had that. They had that game. Yeah, they probably made some mistakes, but that the officiating was garbage. Things that make you go, hmm. And for my podium, I'm going to be somewhat delicate about this because I understand that I was not there. I don't have anything but a very long story by uh, Tony Paul of the Detroit News, which I typically would not read that birdcage material. But Ryan pointed this out to me because... A former competitor in the uh, MIAA, Albion College, uh, proud alumnus Ken George, past uh, past podcast guest, current assistant coach at Hope, great dude, good friend, um, played at Albion in the 80s. Uh, their coach, Jody May, who um, had Albion rolling during Ryan's time there, Albion was was a tough out there. It was a tough place to play. It's like Kresge's playing Kresge. Box. Now it's not called Kresge. It's named after their old winningest coach just recently. Uh, but yeah, it's like you, bad enough that we got to call in this cage you call a gym. Your players are playing like a bunch of gorillas. That was like my first thought when Ryan stepped in there uh, as a basketball player for Hope. Seats like maybe what five hundred, maybe max. Um, you know, bleachers on three sides, a wall on the other, and kind of like a bird's nest for press row or whatever. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's it's an intimidating place to play. Um, anyway, Coach Jody May. 
apparently back in maybe December in a practice, um, you know, kicked a player out of practice. Uh, not a big deal, right? That happens. You know, he said that the guy needed to learn a lesson. He was kind of, you know, maybe being a pain in the butt. Whatever the case may be, I'm not, you know, spouting off the entire article here for brevity's sake. So let's just, the setup is players doing whatever in practice probably has had a little bit of history based on what I read and read into, um, got kicked out of practice. Um, and I believe it was not only the way he acted, but he used a particular racial epitaph. Now, this was a an African-American player. Don't know if it was to a coach. Don't know if it was to a player. This happened <laughs> in a situation with a player at Ryan's school when he was there, who names and everything else shall rename name, nameless. Um, P, Logan, Kyle, Riley, you guys all probably know what's going on, but Dan. Um, but anyway, so no, no harm, no foul, right? Kid gets kicked out of practice. He was acting like an ass, said something racial, you know, to an old teammate. Now, I'll preface this. Is there music, rap music, anywhere where the the particular word uh, at, that I'm assuming, it wasn't even said in the article, that I'm assuming is is kind of at question here, The we'll say it, the N-word. Uh, is there a rap, I mean, like, my point is there's, it's in, it's prevalent in society, right? Right, wrong, or otherwise, it's prevalent. Um, African Americans refer to each other as that. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll call white people that, like a kind of like a term of endearment. Maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, whatever the context was, this kid said it, and the coach, when asked about it and why this guy got kicked out of practice and not the other guy that he was fighting with and jawing with, repeated the word. He said because you know X player, whatever the player was, said N word. And he repeated it a couple times when people asked him, like they were kind of goading him to say the word. And then they, the players went and complained to school administration that the coach was using racially charged, insensitive language. That's the most hurt, hurtful, hateful thing that a, a white person can say to a black person in basically what becomes a witch hunt and a setup. My podium, my point is, here we have a guy who, by all intents and purposes that I noticed in four years, is a pretty upstanding coach more African-Americans on his team than than Caucasians. Um, poor guy had to deal with uh, Cassius Winston's brother was on his roster when he committed suicide. Like, that was during Ryan's career. I mean, like, he's never been anything but an upstanding guy. And then all of a sudden, some guys are a little bit hurt that the coach, in again, in the context of repeating, well, what did he say? Well, what did he say? And what was the context and whatever? Nothing but repeating what was said, not in a... Well, I'm going to call you this. Not not him calling somebody that name. Uses the word in the context of the event when asked. And the players start to protest. They start to balk. They go to the interim president. They go to the school to try to get him fired. It turns out like last week, I think it was. I don't know if it was an MIAA game or not. But a majority of their 25-guy roster. Why they have 25 guys in the roster is beyond me. But like all but seven guys boycotted the game. Because they want to get this guy fired. My point is, I wasn't there, okay, but I'm going to go with what I read. And what I read is the coach never said it out of the context of the conversation that was had and why he kicked the person out of school. Why are we as a country okay with these snot-nosed kids? I don't care white, red, black, purple, green. I don't care he, she, male, female. I don't care what they are. We're going to let 
young adults, kids, disrespect adults and set them up for this failure and then go try to lynch mob them, I have a huge problem with that. I have a huge problem with that because that, as you hear me, if you listen to this podcast regularly, is a microcosm of our absolute toilet water society that we live in right now. I have an enormous problem with it. This guy, they already suspended him. He went to you know uh, sensitivity training, whatever. The team's boycotting because they want to get him fired. The school, I'll give them credit, is saying, no, we're not going to fire him. He didn't go out and call somebody this in an attacking way. But yet we have these kids that we empower now. We empower these 18 to 22-year-olds to make this decision based on their own emotions without any any consequences for what they do. That is our society today, and I have a huge problem with it. There's no place for that behavior of a student athlete towards an adult, a coach, a power figure. Now, again, totally different story if he was calling people this, if he was using it in that context, but he was not. So let's get our heads in the game. Thank you, Albion administration, for doing the right thing so far. And let's do the right damn thing and get rid of the root of the problem, which is the players or the fact that we have a double standard and we let some people use it in some context and other people can't use it in the same, not even the same context, but in the context of explaining a situation. How's that for a pretty nebulous, without trying to be completely too charged, take on a bunch of bullshit down in Albion, Michigan? Yep. All right. Tea up time. Tea up time. Harlow. Uh, yeah, we got to do Jimmy. I mean, look, here's the thing. We could tee liar, up Michigan. Liar, pants on we could fire. tee them up for a million things. They're playing with Again. a felon. They're, you know, they played for time with, with a rapist. Their hockey problem has problems. Their AD is absent unless Michigan State is involved and it's a chance to take a shot at them and, and name call. The Big Ten sits there idle. They, they drop the hammer on Michigan State and they sit there and they let Michigan do this. And here's another thing. Okay, now this isn't necessarily an allegation, although Michigan does have um, COVID recruiting violations, Jim Harbaugh in particular, um, that are pretty high level at this point in time. So it'll be interesting to see if anything happens. Well, it's that. more high Probably level not. because he, he lied. Right. And he's a liar, right? So he's a liar that lied about that. And the other thing he's a liar about is he came out amid, he's interviewed with the Broncos. He's talked to the Panthers. Presumably he's going to talk to other teams and said last week, I'm not going I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at Michigan. And then he turns around and Sunday we hear he or maybe it was yesterday, Monday, we hear he interviewed with the Broncos. When is the lying and the and the enablement of the lying in Ann Arbor going to stop? When is somebody going to hold somebody accountable? No. Certainly not their AD is not going to hold their coach accountable. If I'm a parent and I have a kid being recruited by Michigan, and I'm sorry, like hey, as a Spartan fan, I can admit, like if I'm a I'm a 17-year-old kid, and I'm being recruited by the winged helmets of winning this program and the program that's never lost because they only get screwed out of games and never lose. Uh, you know, I'm going to be pretty excited, right? It's going to be an automatic probably four or five star for me because they're of that kind of stature. If I'm the parent, am I going to let Ryan go play for that liar? No. So Michigan, take care of the problem. Quit pussyfooting around, quit burying it under the rug, and quit making yourself look like stupid mouth-breathing A-wads when all this stuff happens. All right, that's the tee-up. Jim Harbaugh, leave. Do us a favor and leave, not because you're not beatable, because we know you are beatable. Leave because I'm tired of the garbage. Yep. All right, a lot to discuss here. Uh, We'll get to four downs. Um, Let's wrap up college football in general. Um, 
We can talk quick about that championship. There's not much to talk about other than the The only thing to talk about was my six-way parlay that came through because Georgia covered the over by themselves. They money-lined it easy. Um, They held Duggan under 240.5. Stetson Bennett, how about this? Stetson Bennett walks on at Georgia, not going to get any playing time, leaves after his freshman year and goes to junior college and walks his way back on to earn a scholarship. He was he is a two-time national champion. Not a team sent in the I don't think in the CFP era can say that, right? Not the first no. repeat champion no. since Bama. No. This kid, young man, now he's older than Ryan, 25 years old. Four playoff games in the last two years, four MVP performances. Outstanding, unbelievable, sneaky quick. Finds his guys. He's got guy, so man. much talent around that team. And when they called that timeout with like 13.40 to go to give him a curtain call, there wasn't a single Georgia player or staffer or water boy or you name it that didn't embrace him for what he has done. So as much as the game itself sucked, um, now the first quarter was okay. It was 10-7 to 7 oh. and then the floodgates opened. Um that was pretty remarkable. And then, you know, that Kirby gave a curtain call to all of his defensive guys that he knows are going to go to the NFL. That Georgia team, I'm sorry, TCU was not that bad. I, I can already, I didn't hear it today at work, thank goodness. But I can already hear Michigan fans going, see, if it was us, we would have been competitive. Yeah. We probably would have won. I mean, no, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't, you wouldn't no, have you won. Wouldn't. No. You, you might not have lost 65-7. to seven, but And I, I don't think, honestly, if you played that game 99 more times, I don't think TCU would lose 65-7 to seven again. It was a perfect storm of... Pressing, pressing, mistake, 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 and Georgia was Georgia flawless. They were flawless, and they are loaded with an NFL talent. They are extremely well coached. <laughs> they were extremely focused. Clearly, a two touchdown favorite. Kirby Smart had them bought into a chip on their shoulder all season, and they laid the wood on TCU. Um, kudos to Georgia. They've got to be the favorite going into the next year. They're going to return most most of their great defense. Their whole offensive um, line Their whole come back. line could come back. Their <clears throat> running backs are just incredible. Brock Bowers, who has got to be the next Travis Kelsey, Gronk, whatever, as a tight end, dominant. He's he coming back play. because he's only a sophomore. I mean, they have tight ends that are 6'7". They have a tight end, Brock Bowers, who runs reverses. How many 6'7 re- tight ends do you know that run reverses? And with speed. Not a power reverse, yeah. a speed reverse. Like That team is just disgustingly good. And again, they did it with a quarterback who earned his way, but was not a five-star. He He's outlasted five stars at Georgia. That's what's remarkable. And it's proof that if you stay the course, which is is sad, sadly probably not going to happen very much anymore. If you stay the course and you work for it, you can earn it. So thank you and hats off Stetson Bennett Man, for showing Stetson. college sports the right way to do the things. Mailman delivered again. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, Georgia's an NFL team. Um, I mean, that wasn't even fair. They made them look like no, and TCU has talent too. Like they, TCU's I mean, got some great skill. They players. ran the ball okay. You know, Duggan had a remarkable season. He struggled in the last, really, the last three games: the Big Twelve Championship game, in the two playoff games. He threw you know more picks in those three games than he had by by far the whole season. Yeah, so you know he struggled. TCU had a, a an offensive lineman or two go out injured. They were missing their starting running back, although their backup running back's good. Georgia shut down. Their electric wide receiver. Three, three receiving yards. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a bloodbath. It was a beatdown, and it was a well deserved championship. I'll tell you, go rewind. The championship game was Ohio State and Georgia. I said it early on in this podcast. Those were the two best teams this year. I know Michigan. You beat Ohio State. I know you did. And I'll remind you that game was close until the half, and it got away later in the game. I think if you guys would have played again, Ohio State would have beaten you. Ohio State and Georgia were the best two teams, top to bottom, pass, run, special teams, <laughs> etc. all season. And the championship game was the last game before the ball dropped on New Year's Eve. No offense, TCU, great run. You'll be remembered for what you did. Um, you're going to get a lot of transfers because people will see what you did. Hats off to you. Great season. Um, but, man, Georgia. Whew. And their schedule next year, they were saying it on the broadcast because they had to come up with anything to keep people's interest. UT Martin, UAB, and I can't even remember, like Bowling Green. It's not Bowling Green, but it's some it's other like, like podunk school. That's their out-of-conference, and their toughest game is Tennessee on the road. So really good chance that Georgia's going to be back there shooting for a three-peat next year. Crazy. Um, it was a great season, though. Lots of great moments. Hopefully Michigan State will be better next year. Proof that we need a 12, you know, it's right to get to a bigger playoff, whether you want it to be 12, 16, 8, whatever. It's going to be 12, um, you know, not next year, right, but the year 2024, after. 2024, yeah. Right. So, yep. um, so one more season with four, um, you know, because there was, well, there was parity, but there wasn't. I, I still believe in a season like this, Georgia would have steamrolled everybody. that They, they might have had another cl- yeah, closer game, yeah. but... Um, you know, it's time. It's interesting because in the in the semis is usually when we get the blowouts and then we get the decent games in the championship. And this year it was kind of the opposite. We had two really great semis and we had a not good good final. It's usually but, the opposite. But. Um, but SEC reigns supreme again. What, they've won 14? Or, I, I heard someone said that like the teams from the South have won like since like 90-something like – the only teams from the South that haven't won a national championship are Nebraska, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and Tennessee, maybe. I don't know, Tennessee's in the South. Or who's the other one? Yeah, they're kind of in the middle. But, yeah, I mean, so that's where the 12 game will be interesting because if you're playing first-round playoff games at the opponent, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, an 11-seed Tennessee has to go play uh, whatever it equates to a 6-seed Michigan State, or Michigan or Wisconsin in December. Now we're talking, well, right? Like maybe things change a little bit. So, um, I had a couple other things in the run. You probably have more notes than I do, but like, I, I, you know that I don't like ESPN. We did have game the game day on. Um, I think Pat McAfee does a pretty good job. Nick Saban was excellent. Like if he ever decides to be a commentator, he was engaging. He was laughing. He was funny. He was Saban telling great stories. Great. He'll be excellent. I just hope he doesn't go to there, but he will, of course, because it's SEC Network. Um, why on earth do they still have Lee Corso out there? Now, yeah, I feel, bad, I, for I feel bad for him. He just he doesn't know. He can hardly speak because of you know stroke or whatever he's had. Like you're, it's kind of like the old days when if you're old enough like me to remember, they still were marching Dick Clark out there on Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. Um, for the ball drop after he had a stroke, and you could he was barely coherent. Like, let the dude retire and ride off into the sunset in a way where people re- will remember him for his funny stuff and the way he was with Herbie, not for how he is now. So ESPN, shame on you. Like, great move for you to get McAfee. I think he's really good. He's engaging. But, like, 
come on, let Coach just retire and, yeah, and let him ride off into the sunset. It's tough to see rough. That. Uh, How about, um, you know, the one person who picked TCU is the one person who picked Baylor, uh, well, Pitt. Corso picked TCU, but he is No, no, he, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He switched his pick. But, yeah, so did Desmond. That was the Desmond, death. who picked, like I said, three Final Four teams that didn't even make bowl games, right? Texas A&M, no, Baylor. Baylor and, did, and he picked Baylor, Texas A&M, Pitt, Michigan. And that's right. Uh, I guess they made bowl, they made bowl games, but they were nowhere close to the championship. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Like that's m- my general take on you know the the championship game stuff. Um, yeah, I mean we did our Big Ten recap. I I thought you know a good year for the Big Ten to get two teams in. Um, neither of them got to the finals, so we'll see what happens next year. We'll see if that counts against them in the future. I don't know. Clearly, the SEC can always get two teams and often have yeah. them play play each other for the title. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Now it's just kind of like, well, let's see. Do, are there any other coaching changes? Are there do you know do coordinator changes? You know, when Harbaugh leaves, yeah, who know. takes his job? Does that start the dominoes falling? You know, how does recruiting round out? You know, Michigan State had a coordinator change this week, um, and somebody was apparently trying to take players with Marco them. Or, Coleman. D line coach, um, you know it's kind of that time of the season. The AFC coaching clinic or a coaching uh, or the AFC AFCA American Football Coaches Association, like their annual, you know, whatever ex expo and coaching meetings and all that kind of stuff happen right up to the national championship game. You know, things happen there. You know, handshakes are made and people change positions. So you know, we'll see what goes on there. Um, you had a pretty decent transfer from Michigan, land to Oklahoma today. Yeah, They're a good wide receiver out of uh, East Lansing. Um, Michigan State. Horm's coming back from Michigan. Horm's coming back. It's good for him. Trying to play six games because he's hurt. Yeah, that'll be. I mean, he kind of had no choice, right? Like his draft stock was hurt because he got hurt. But he's a nice player. I mean, he makes he's he makes a difference for Michigan. Um, Michigan State lost. Finally, two guys actually that went to. Like programs, yeah, Deshaun, Mallory to Arizona State and Piotrowski to Wisconsin. That makes sense though, because Trussell Trussell will, be will be a good fit there. You know, he recruited him. Yeah, Trussell recruited Trussell him. I think he's six one. He's more of an outside linebacker. He's not an edge rusher. He was not going to be an edge rusher at Michigan State. So, yeah, it dings depth, but not a not a huge loss. But you know, rare because most Michigan. State, I said to Ryan, that's actually a good sign because most Michigan State guys who've hit the portal have gone down. Um, to you know, lower level Division One. Oh, so it's looking like for um, the rest of the guys in the portal for Michigan State, right? So and that kind of tells you that you're, okay, your quality of depth is like maybe MAC level, um, and that's where Michigan State's got to continue to get better. So we'll see what happens there. We'll kind of continue to keep an eye on it as that wasn't the second signing day coming up in February, February, or like that. early February. So you know, no college football from here as a main topic for a while. I don't know, Ryan, if you had anything. No, I've got else. nothing else. Just it'll be interesting to see what Michigan State's going to do with that D line. Apparently, they said Vickerson, and then they're looking at um, the guy that was Colorado's defensive coordinator the last two years. He played in the NFL. He played for Oklahoma. Um, can't remember his name. And then a guy, another guy that was um, a big time defensive line coach has kind of been around. I just can't remember the names. But so need to be able to be a recruiter. Right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, credentials on these guys so that'd be good um to get one of those Vic would be really good since he played in the NFL you know played at state he's been there um 
yeah, otherwise nothing else. I'm just, you know, it was a great season. I'm looking forward to week zero. Apparently they're trying to get Colorado, Arizona State. Week zero, the battle of new coaches. I know Notre Dame plays Navy in Dublin um, week zero. It'll be kind of fun. Um, but Navy yeah. with a new coach, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll start to warm up to, you know, unless there's big, you know, changes of like a Washington and Oregon coming to the Big Ten or, you know, if there's seismic changes, obviously we'll bring it up. Or if you want us to kind of look back at something, you know, um, at some point, you know, when it starts to slow down other topic-wise, especially as we get out of college basketball, let us know. It's not like we're immune to talking about it. Yeah, we can or averse to talking about it. Um, but for now, sayonara to a great college football season. Um, it's always a blast. It's a lot of fun to look forward to. It's a lot of fun to live within. But the good news is we have the best season now ahead of us, which we'll talk about in third down, and that's college basketball. You just you can't beat it. I'm sorry, you can't beat it. Um, and we'll get to that here in a bit. So, Ryan, what do we have for yeah, second, second down? Second down, NFL. Um, playoff picture set. Um it's an interesting week weekend of games. Just it's been an interesting season, in general. And um, you know those um, that have prayed for Demar Hamlin, thank you because he's doing great. Um, Proof, power, and prayer. Spectacular. Just a, a great success story there. Um, this is a, he's getting better. This is a mid Lions game thing. But on that note, what in the hell was? What's his name? Quay something? Quay, Quay Walker. Quay. Yeah, let, let's talk about that in a minute. We'll, we'll, I'm going to go through the other stuff, then we'll talk all, all Lions right. game. We'll, okay. Then we'll do that. The Texans blew the number one pick. That's hilarious. And then Lovey Smith got fired. They helped out my parlay. What do they do? They're like on their fourth coach in four years. Like, yeah, what, they, this, this is, is going to be the third coach in three. What good does that yeah, do for you? I mean, I mean, it's not Lovey Smith's fault that you have uh, some pencil neck from Stanford as your quarterback. He sucks. Like, they don't have any talent. Like, go draft and trade for talent. Stock up talent. I don't care how good a coach you are. I don't, Mike Ditka couldn't coach that team to be good. No. But thanks for helping me out on my parlay anyway. Until somebody else blew it. The Jets, I think. The Cowboys it. look like crap. Bears' um, first number one overall pick since 1947. And according to Polo, they're celebrating it in Chicago like it's, you know, they need a ticker tape parade. That's a loser mentality. Yeah, not good. They could have gotten that with what they're going to get with the second pick because the Texans need a quarterback and the Bears don't. The Bears aren't going to take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud first. They already said today that um, Frogface... Uh, is their quarterback next year and for the foreseeable future. So Yeah. Um, yeah, Chicago stinks. Um, Chiefs, easy dub. They ran that ring around the rosy play. That was hilarious. That was the biggest, like, F you to the Raiders. <laughs> if you Reed, haven't seen it, you got to look at it Andy Reid's I mean, probably just sitting there eating a donut laughing. And just, I mean, oh. I've never seen anything like it. It that was hysterical. Wild. It was hysterical. The Jags. What a great success yeah. story, comeback story. Jags Lions would have been a great Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, they're in the. Playoffs. I mean, the Lions absolutely bludgeoned the Jags, and then from that point on, I think they won their last yeah, four games in a row really to get well. in. And that was an exciting game. That game against Titans. Good on the NFL for putting that on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, or Saturday afternoon. I can't remember yeah, what it was. Night, yeah. Uh, when it mattered, right? Like, they got a lot of eyeballs. It was basically a play-in game, so it was a playoff game. Um, that was fun to watch. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Bills uh, return the first touch they have since Hamlin. I mean, that you can't and then two kickoff up. returns for the game. Can't make that stuff up. Locked it's, the Patriots out only like the fourth or fifth time. Belichick hasn't been in the playoffs. Man. That's great. 
Uh, Bengals win the division. Steelers tried. Steelers now. Dauber Steelers will complain. Another nine and eight season. Dauber will complain that it's just mediocrity. They haven't won a playoff game in ten years, but sixteen years in a row, five hundred or better. Um, okay, his point is then you don't get the higher draft picks. Well, then, but you're still winning and you give yourself a chance to be in the playoffs, and that's what every fan of every team wants. And you have five Super Bowls to your credit already. So don't. You cry me a river, man. Um, but good on the Steelers because they're probably one of my favorite AFC teams year in and year out. A lot of mm-hmm. Big Ten guys play for them. Some Michigan State guys that are there. I like Tomlin. I like that yeah, that team. Um, so that was fun to watch. They they took took care of the Browns. They got a bright future. The Dolphins won eleven to six. I mean that's disgusting. Got in the playoffs. They're going to get crushed by the Bills. <clears throat> right, this ain't be fair. Two is probably out. Bridgewater's probably going to play your third string quarterback. I hope the Bills kill them. They, there's word that if they lose that game and get smoked, that they might fire McDaniel because they think that he's not a good coach. It kind of doesn't look like a coach anyway. No, he looks like a he looks like an IT guy. <laughs> he does he does? The Niners are unreal. Well, we'll get to that. Them ten in a row later. to close the season. The Eagles squeak one against the Giants with a backup. I don't. I'm not buying the Eagles right now. I yeah, and Hurts hasn't played in three or four weeks, so... He played the other day. Oh, did he play a little he bit? He didn't do great. Oh. Um, Kenneth Walker, hell of a season, over 1,000 yards. Great for him. He should win O'Roy. Um, Cowboys are skidding. They look like crap. Yeah, the Redskins, a.k.a. Commanders or Wrecked whatever they are, them. destroyed them. It's too bad they didn't realize a week before that they couldn't afford to lose <laughs> their game and were eliminated from the playoffs, yeah. but... Um, Let's talk about the Lions. I, I don't even know where to begin with these guys. I mean, it sucks, you know, not getting the playoffs um, for another season. You know, it's one of the longer droughts. 2016 was the last time they got in. Not as um, long as the Jets, 2010. But, by God, I mean, this team has finally given us something to look forward to, some sort of hope. There is a future for the Detroit Lions. The te- The roster is young. They have a great young coaching staff that gets the most out of these guys. The guys want to be in Detroit. They love it, and they they want they played eight out of ten down the stretch. And they beat. And they should have probably won the one Bills, game. Should have beaten the Bills, not not yeah. the Panthers. That was a throwaway. The rest they could have won. They could have beaten the Bills. And they didn't need to start one and six either, but they needed to grow into what where they. Yeah, are. I mean one and six. You can't make the playoffs and expect to make the playoffs with one and six start, but the the bounce back. The mental fortitude, the the grit that Dan Campbell talks about, that was on display, all, I mean, all season, really. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. The growth from 313-1 and one to 9-8 and eight and having a shot at the playoffs at the end of the season. 5-1 um, and one in the division. Best record in the division. Even 5-1 and one in the division, you probably should have gone 6-0. and oh. Yeah, they blew I mean, it. If they played that game, they they play that game now they win. I, easily. I think if the Lions got in the playoffs, it didn't. I mean, they would play the Niners, but if they were playing any other team, I think they would have been. It would have been a pick 'em because they were they, they're a hottest team. Yeah, they, and look, they've got a ways to go on their roster. Like they've got definite holes, but that team believes in their coach, and no other proof of it than and the coach believing in the players too than second and seventeen. You know, not quite in the red zone, but ball deep in Green Bay territory. You know that you're up four at the time. Okay, worst case, maybe if you squeeze out a field goal, you go up seven, but you don't want to put Rodgers back on the field. 
their goal is to get a first down <laughs> and keep Green Bay from getting the ball back, and they run a hook and lateral. That, that was the coolest thing. I've um, seen. Just a ballsy play call, and that is a microcosm of who Dan Campbell is. That is a microcosm of who the Lions became, um, and that's why Ben Johnson's name is out there. I don't think he'll get a head coaching job this year, although I could be wrong. But if he does it again next year the way he did this year, he will. Um you know, the Lions defense is a long way to go, but Aaron Glenn dialed up some good things. Is he uh, finished very strong after we were calling? You know, a, after they got rid of their the secondary coach, which is kind of crazy. And then uh, is it Joseph that had the three picks? Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Wow. First player ever to Great. have three picks in a season against uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Rogers, pretty man. remarkable. The thing I was going to bring up before is in speaking of trainers and the importance of trainers, in that game, three things happened in one one. So number one, number one, Green Bay absolutely cheap shots, and I believe it was a former Georgia teammate. It was. Smith, it was Devontae who Wyatt. Forearm yeah. shivers him to the head. His legs slide underneath him in an awkward way. Yeah, he came back bad. in the game, obviously, and got the hook and lateral, so he was okay. But it looked it looked scary. It looked like an ACL, especially a guy that's had knee. Trainers and doctors rush out. They're checking on Swift. So first cheap shot, not called by the NFL. So to go with Ryan's podium. Second. This was called, but it took a little while to do it. A trainer moves out, and he's like, he puts his, his left hand on a Quay Walker from the Packers, who earned his second ejection of the season for this. For touching someone. He, that's he just kind of like said, hey, like, give me some space. He didn't shove him. He just like put his arm on him and just like to move his way into the situation. And even if he did shove him, hell, it's your job. You're a trainer. He gets shoved in the back by the guy. And then the same guy who forearm shivered, and he's another Georgia guy. Then, uh, Forum, the same guy that forearm shivered Swift comes up to the the guy, you know, be tough guy to their trainer and like bumps him with his chest. You're you're like six six, three hundred and twenty pounds in pads against some piddly little athletic trainer and you chest bump him. NFL missed the forearm shiver. They missed the push in the you know, and then they should be suspended. What for gets it for me too is they allow a guy like Walker to do his apology via social media. I mean, why is it okay for somebody, especially a week removed from what happened on Monday Night Football, when the trainer, the assistant trainer for the Bills was a hero, saved DeMar Hamlin's life right there on the field. Why is it okay for guys like Walker to apologize via Twitter? Like, man up. And I want to know about it, media. Man up. Hold a press conference and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Have the assistant trainer from Lions. I screwed up. I own this. The problem is, this is just like my podium in a different way, but there's no ownership of stupid-ass behavior. No. Stupid is as stupid does. And I know that um, you know Green Bay's coach came out and was like, we're not going to tolerate it. It was you know, it was a mental lapse, and it just it, uh, you know, reflects well, on us as coaching and as coaches. And, and So do something about it. Cut them. I don't know. He's a great player, but cut him. You, NFL, him. The NFL can make, and these teams can make a statement by what they do monetarily. Like, I get it. The season's over, and it's going to be washed away, and nobody's going to remember it. But would they, if, say the Packers had won, would they have suspended him? No, because he was a key player. Um, that behavior is allowed to happen, and that is, again, is a problem. Well, Russell and we Douglas allowed, did the, the same problem. crap. He hit the ball away, then he hit Dan Skipper in the face. Yeah, yeah. Same same thing. And the ref's not calling. I mean, they called the hitting the ball away thing. But um, just, you know, ridiculous. Like, I, I just, I don't do better. 
come on, people, do better. We're, we're here removed from all the great, the great that we got out of people for Damar Hamlin, and then we're yet back to acting like fools six days later. Um, I will say this. So, of course, I disavowed being a primary Lions fan when the Lions drafted Hutchinson. Um, I can admit Hutchinson was the right pick for them. He fits Pretty the good. mentality. He had some statistics that put him up there with guys my age will know, Richard Dent, Lawrence Thomas, um, oh, not Lawrence Thomas, Lawrence Taylor. Taylor, sorry. There was a great Lawrence Thomas that played too. Um, and then there was one other uh, Bears guy, Otis Wilson, I think it was, or Giants um, player in there as well. Like, I mean, he had a pretty historic season for a rookie with interceptions, fumble returns, sacks. He was great that night. Um, I still think he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, he I, does, I think for a number two pick, again, he wasn't as – he was good 80-plus percent of the time. I would like to see somebody that's a number two pick that good 95% of the time. Uh, but I, I can admit he had a really great season. He's a great cornerstone piece for the Lions. Um Paired up with Comiskey, uh, you know, and then Houston, Houston, who came on late and had eight, yeah. eight and a half sacks in his last seven games, pretty remarkable. Um, the inside of the interior of that Lions line, they, they look really good, and so I'll give credit where it's due. Um, one other thing on NFL, Ryan, before we shift gears, um, good, good listener question that I thought we could address. Um, in your opinion, what are the reasons for the turnaround and recent success for the Lions? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's belief. It's culture. And those are the main things. Like, you get going in any sport. You get belief. You believe you can win. You can believe you can win close games. You, that bleeds in, and that did for the Lions. They knew they could do it. Yeah, there wasn't a talent change. I mean, the Lions no. have, they have, they have, they have got, some good young talent. Some, like Jamal Williams said, we have some, it's all dogs up in this mug. Yeah. They are dogs. Yeah. They, they have that they mentality. They, they believe that bite your kneecap, they believe their coach. And and they just needed, I believe, a momentum shift of six, to see success. Sometimes you just need to see the ball go through the net. Like you just, it was A.J. Hogard, you know, to, to mix our downs here. It was A.J. Hogard late against Wisconsin. He needed to see the ball hit the net on a, on a drive late in the game to kind of catch that fire. The Lions just needed to see that victory to get over the hump. They were close. A lot of that one and six start, they got bludgeoned by the Patriots, but every other game they had at least a chance to win, and a couple of them, frankly, they should have won. Minnesota being one of them, um, at least one off the top of my head. There's probably one of the Eagles they really had a great shot to win. Um, you know, they, they had their chances – but once they saw the ball go through the net, again, to mix metaphors, coupled with the buy-in to the culture and the coach's belief in the players and the player's belief in the coaches. And I go back to that second and 17, you're trying to salt away a game to keep a team out of the playoffs. The Lions had nothing to play for. They had nothing to play for but pride and a 9-8 and eight record. They, they, weren't going, they knew it. They weren't going to the playoffs, they but they wanted, to keep, the they wanted to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. And the coaches called it, and the players believed it, and that's why it happened. And so I agreed completely with Ryan. The second part of the question, Ryan, was, is there success here to stay for a while? Now, I things mean, can hard, be, things can hard be to fleeting. Replicate. It's hard to replicate. Like, Jared Goff went about 380 passes in a row to end the season without throwing a pick. Wasn't, you know, like, splendous, you know, unbelievable. But he was good. He had the highest passer rating in the NFL oh, yeah. over the last really nine well. games, ten games. 
no interceptions. Um, you know, they've got great running backs. They've got a great one-two punch with some guys that can mix in his third. They've got great receivers. Their offensive line is fantastic. That's That was always the problem, I believe, with Stafford. Like, if they had an O-line when Stafford was there, things might have been different. And their D is where they probably need to grow up the most, and I think they will. I think they can do it in the draft. It, it's always hard to say. It depends on how the schedule falls. It depends on who they play. It depends on who you gain and lose in free agency. You can't always afford to keep everybody. But culture-wise, I do believe, for the first time in a long time, I do believe that the Lions are set up to have sustained success. Now, they need to prove it. They need to do it really even next year and then in the next year. They need to do it for a while. They need to be more of almost a perennial playoff team or contender as opposed to a once-every-five-or-six-years team. Um, But they're close, and they're getting the pieces, and I think the draft will be big. I think free agency will be big, and I think it's going to be equally as big to keep some of those key players in the mix, like a Jamal Williams who maybe is a free agent, Set the record, franchise record for most touchdowns. Asterisk because he did it in 17, not 16 games. But Still beat going. Barry Sanders, Hall of Famer, best player I've ever seen play NFL, arguably. Um, so, yeah, to answer that question, I think it's set up to stay for a while. They have to prove it and they can't kind of rest on their laurels. They have to, they have to keep that mentality um, and keep that kind of like we would call it Spartan dog mentality. They need to keep that lion dog mentality. Um, and stay as one pride and, you know, play for the team, which they did down the stretch, and, and hey, crazy, crazier things could happen. Maybe we'll see the Lions make a couple years, two, three, four-year runs at the playoff and, um, you know, really maximize the potential of their roster. We we shall see. But it'll be kind of nice for a change not to, you know, they weren't playing for a top-five pick. They were rooting for the Rams to maybe give them a top-five pick. Yeah. But, you know, um, that's a good sign. That, that's That's a good problem to have. All right, before we get to third down, a quick word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more and support them by going to teamanders.com. All right. Uh, third down. Two big wins from Michigan State. College basketball, yeah. Two big dubs. You know, start with that or you want to end with that? We can end with it. Right. Um, let's start with this one. I, this is Kentucky's unraveling before our eyes. Um, that's not great for Michigan State and they're, you know, looking at it for strength of schedule. Kyle Parry's already rumored to be taking the Texas job. Beard got officially fired. For Kentucky's choking out a, his Kentucky's a train wreck. They lost to a quadrant four, which means you're one of the Worst. In the fourth of the worst teams in college basketball, three hundred and sixty whatever teams. Kentucky lost home twenty eight home game win streak done. Worst start. They're one. They lost to a team that lost by. Would you say forty three at home? At home to, to, earlier to this Tennessee. Um, they had their worst start. They're one and three in SEC play. Worst start since 1987. Ouch! I think Joe B. Hall days maybe. I mean, Calipari, his days are numbered. In, I think he's Lexington. worn out as welcome. He's, he's kind of – we haven't seen him play since, directly. Since COVID, the they've been horrible. They've been really bad. Yeah. The last – I mean, they missed the tournament and during – The recruiting's no different, supposedly. No, it's not. 2020, 2021, missed the tournament. Last year, obviously lost to St. Peter's. This year, they might not make it again. Um, 
It's rough. It's a rough go in Lexington. Crazy. Alabama, that's the team right now. I think they, them and Tennessee are two really good teams. Um, but will they do anything in, in a March? pretty decent SEC? Uh, the, the league to watch. Arkansas is good. The, the best league, top to Big bottom, 12. is the Big 12. The Big 10 is good. Um, I don't know that we've kind of been proven that the Big Ten doesn't have any elite teams. Purdue's still close, but they lost Rutgers, so, I mean, they're not unblemished. They're close to being elite. The Big 12 is deep. They're loaded. Talk about you can go anywhere, anytime, and win on the road, whatever. Kansas State went from unranked to top 15. They're, like, number 11. Texas Tech is good. Baylor's good. Texas is playing well, even without their whole thing going on with their coaching stuff. Kansas, of course, is good. The Cheaters. Um, Oklahoma's pretty decent. Oklahoma State is decent. Iowa State's really pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, TCU, I think, has been ranked throughout the season. Like, who's bad in that league? They, West Virginia's the, okay. The worst teams are West Virginia and Oklahoma State, and they're still pretty good. Right. They're, every team's yeah. in the top 40 in Ken Palm. Yeah, Big That's, Big Twelve is the best conference right now. The ACC, I don't know what happened to ACC. The ACC's been ACC a train wreck. I don't know. Was it last week after the podcast, Ryan? I think it was. Where Duke had laid like a historically epic egg against NC State. Yeah, they they lost by like thirty. So you know the ACC's pride. North Carolina is pretty average right now. They're playing UVA at the moment. UVA is off to kind of a tough start in the ACC, but they're they're good. They're top I mean, the, 15. The, the ACC is Miami, who's pretty good. Clemson's undefeated. Pitt's doing well, but yeah, will they hold it? Right. Duke is not great. North Carolina's not great. Virginia's average. Syracuse is not good. Notre Dame is not good. You know, your traditional teams. Louisville is the worst power five or six team yeah, really in the country. They're awful. So how long till Coach K starts coaching and putting a earbud in Shire's ear. And he already yeah, has one in be, there. No, I don't know. I mean, they're not playing like it right he now. He already has one in there. Yeah, but, hey, look, at this time last year, North Carolina was like, are they going to make the tournament? They slid in as an eight, and they got yeah, to the I championship see that game. Happening so, again. like, these teams are talented enough, but just speaking-wise, like, the Pac-12 is, is never very deep, and they're not very deep again. Uh, but the Big 12 and the Big 10 are super deep. There is no runaway team. Houston's the new number one because it's always the soup du jour when the number one team loses. They just automatically get pushed out for whatever Purdue's reason. Purdue's really good. I mean, um, we'll give them that. We'll talk about them. Purdue's yeah. good. Yeah, we had a lot of crazy, like Sunday was the what the heck just happened the road day. Teams. The road teams um, minus Maryland. Nebraska. Uh, Northwestern. Northwestern goes to IU and wins, but that's big to not have a race. That's uh That's, that's big, but Northwestern, for the first time, I think Polo said since 1968, has beaten Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan State in the same season. That's before I was born. That's ridiculous. And you're old. It's like I would have been. That's fifty five years ago that <laughs> that that last happened, and we were PO'd when Michigan State lost to Northwestern, and we still kind of yeah, are because they should have won it. But Northwestern's playing well, and they lost arguably their best. They lost a guy to Duke, and they lost a guy to North Carolina. Yeah, two starters, two big guy starters. I mean, sometimes it's addition. Let's but tell us the the only team that really is bad in the Big Ten is Minnesota, and they're really not terrible. No, I mean Nebraska is at least you know puts up a fight. You know? Iowa's getting better. Maryland's playing better. Rutgers is pretty good. You know, Wisconsin, lost, Illinois. Right? Rutgers lost at home to who did they lose to? Iowa. They right? Lost to yeah. Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a gauntlet. 
It really is. Penn I mean, State gave Purdue a fight for a while at the Palestra. The Big Ten is a, it, it'll all even itself out. You know, it'll cannibalize. Some teams will the cream of the crop will rise. You know, like like it always does. But. I still, you know, you got a bunch of teams at like the quarter pole that are four and one. Not a bunch. Michigan State's four and one. And I think Purdue is four and one. Yeah, so, there's a lot of teams. So if you extrapolate, obviously that's you know sixteen and four. That ain't gonna happen. Um, I do still think like fourteen and six in this Big Ten probably, probably wins, wins it outright. Thirteen um, seven. Fifteen and five, I think for sure wins it outright. Um, so you know, does that make with the Big Ten having ten legitimate teams? I mean, because you have Indiana who they lost their point guard, they lost race. Trace Jackson Davis is dinged up, but he still put up some ungodly numbers the other day. But so now all of a sudden they're like fall back to the middle, lower part of the pack. Like, you know, injuries take their toll for sure. It happened to Michigan State. Ohio State's pretty good, although then they went and got smacked at Maryland. Like, what? what's going to happen, right? Like, yeah, this these is, teams are going to beat up on each other. Flip a coin for who's going to win games. And winning on the road it's used, been easier. used to be – that used to be like if you won a game on the road, it's big. Teams win on the road all the time now. Yeah, which is really interesting. Now, in a game like, and we can specifically talk about this in a little bit, but the, a game like Michigan State at the Cole Center tonight, it was clear the students weren't there because that's a big. That's I think the biggest arena, that's except large. for maybe Ohio State's in in the Big Ten, uh, seating wise. And it was pretty morgue-like for a long time. They got a little frenzied at times when Wisconsin got a five-point lead, which always feels like a fifteen-point lead there, but. Um, yeah, uh, like, I don't know, is it that, is it, because the zone is still crazy. The zone still has an impact on games, you know, and, but what, I don't know what it is. I'd have to, I'd have to dive in and do some research, research, Ryan, I'll, I'll pass that torch to you. You like to kind of look into that stuff. Like I did a whole official research thing on fouls oh, called boy. last year. Um, it'd be interesting to know over the last couple of years, how that has ebbed and flowed. Does it just feel like more road teams win? I feel like it since COVID. Do they more? Yeah, it may be. It really it is. Because he got used to playing in empty gyms and then all of a sudden you didn't see it as, oh my gosh, that's, that's the Izzo and that's a hard place to play. You saw it as, oh, that's the Breslin center. I've played in there and it's quiet. It's whatever. Like I, that's a good point, Ryan. Maybe that's, maybe that's it what seems, it is. I can, I can look into it. Um, yeah, it's usually a home crowd is worth some points. The Izzo tricks teams, Every game into a shot clock violation or two, with a with a quick count or a slow count of the shot clock. Um, but yeah, interesting. Just like some teams just don't have great home crowds. I get it, but yeah, I I don't know what's going on. Illinois is bouncing back a little bit. They're beating Nebraska tonight. They finally beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin's now lost two in a row. They finally got off the schneid and got a win. The other day, interestingly, after one of their players quit, um, is that addition by subtraction? I don't know. Um, you know, so yeah, Big Ten is is equally as crazy. College basketball is just is just set up to yeah, be great wild. this year. We've said it all along. You know, are there's some teams like a Houston and potentially a Gonzaga and you know like a Purdue and you know Kansas. There are some teams that you think should rise up, but it is truly an anybody can beat anybody anywhere, anytime type of season, and I'm here for it. I think it's it makes you want to just flip on YouTube TV uh, and flip through every potential basketball game channel on any given night of the week to watch what's going on. Like right now, we've I think we've got like halftime of a game on as we're doing the podcast, and it's it's fun stuff to watch and. 
good luck picking a bracket come March. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to want like eight or nine or ten of them. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to get it perfect, that's for sure. No, it's ridiculous. So should we talk about, you want to talk about how our players are doing, which is not even close, uh, so it's not even yeah, worth the conversation. Yeah, ass. Yeah. Not surprising. Um, so let's talk about the Michigan State-Michigan game. Um, Ugly offensively. I'll tell you that that was not a not for the people that love points. Um, Fun fact for you: Michigan State is now twenty and three at home against Michigan since nineteen ninety eight. Pretty good. That's not too shabby. Pretty good. Um, yeah, and that was a game where honestly, even though Michigan State let Michigan back in a little bit lately, it never it never really felt in doubt. Like. Dickinson had 18 points, but it was kind of a quiet, quiet 18. Very quiet. Um, both teams shot really poorly. Both teams played pretty good. Michigan State, defense, but there's a difference. Michigan State missed a lot of open shots. Michigan, they did nothing. Yeah, easy. Michigan State played really great defense. Michigan State's defense this season is just taking a, a jump. That's without really a lot of rim protection either. They know Their guards can get into you defensively. Or we, I mean, Hauser has... He's not a great defender, but he's been more serviceable than he has in the he's past. He's good as long as he doesn't have to as long as he doesn't lose track of his guy on the three point line. He gives up too many long balls, I feel like. Um but in the kind of fifteen feet in, if he's got somebody backing him down or even if he's face up, I think he's pretty decent. I, I tell you, the the big difference for Michigan State is and we saw it because he made a couple big plays late tonight against Wisconsin and he made huge plays against Michigan was Malik Hall. Like as he gets healthier and trusts his body more, he's a difference maker. He's a communicator on defense. He can rebound. He can defend a couple of different positions. He can get his own shot off the dribble. He can get some rebounds down low on offense. He can he can score off the drive. You, he didn't trust his jump shot as much tonight against Wisconsin. He did against Michigan. He can bang that. Like, it's still, he's still, you can see it. He's still rusty. You know, like Izzo said after the Michigan game, his Head tells him he can do it, but his body says, I don't know about that, or I think that's how Izzo puts it. Like, he's getting there. It's like even Aikens. Like, tonight, Aikens made a flying move to the rim against Wisconsin where I think, you know, I'm glad he didn't try to throw it down because he would have missed where he was angle-wise, but spectacular play um, because he's trusting his body a little bit more. I mean, I'd give it another couple weeks. And you remember, Hall sprained his ankle against Michigan, too. So that's, that's a huge difference for Michigan State. Like, having their best players healthy. That's the key. And you're seeing it across college. There's a lot of heads on that snake. Teams that that lose key players are they're just gonna struggle. Indiana's an example. Like you you just can't overcome like if they lost Trace Jackson Davis, good night. They might not win another game. I I mean not no offense to the other players, but when you lose guys that just understand the game of basketball and they can get guys in the right spot and they can lead man at it it hurts you, and it hurt Michigan State a little bit. Now, so did their schedule, but um, you know, not having Malik for that stretch earlier in the season. You know, looking back, would you like the what Notre are we twelve and four right now? Yeah, and would you like it's the Notre Dame good. and the Northwestern games back? Heck yeah! But you know, when where those were in proximity to the rest of the schedule, and how the you know Aikens coming back from injury and Hall kind of and Hall out. Hey, you, I would not have believed you if you told me two months ago Michigan State would be twelve and four right now. I, I just no. wouldn't. And and a good now scoreboard wise maybe not as convincing but a convincing win against Michigan. Michigan never looked comfortable in that game. Um, Michigan State outplayed them I thought all the way around. Uh, 
you know, did not shoot very well. Joey couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Tyson played certainly better. Um, Hogard. How about Hogard? Like, I don't know what he ended up with tonight. I think he had eight assists and two turnovers maybe tonight, three turnovers. He was a little sloppier tonight, but... I think he didn't it, hit, hit his shots until the end, but In man, the last five wow. games now, I believe, if I'm right, in the last five games, he has 41 assists and 10 turnovers. In the last five games. That sounds right. I'm trying to... That's eight and two. That Which is, I think, what he had tonight. That, like... Uh, yeah, Hogard, 10 points, four rebounds, eight assists, two turnovers. I mean... I'll take that every night because... Four, four for the free throw line, shooting 85%, up 20% from last and year. And he's playing better. Now, he had some lapses tonight where Izzo yelled at him and got his grill about not going under the screen, and he got burned. But like he's a, he's a pretty good defender. He can back guys down. He's strong. He still misses a lot of point-blank shots for my liking, but he made two big ones late tonight. He makes his free throws. Last year, he was like 60%. He's like 87% from the free throw line this year. Um, yeah, Tyson Walker is is not getting as many looks as he was, but he had a nice solid thirteen shot, points tonight. He shot nine shots tonight. You no, know, he not bad. Um, you know, Joey played phenomenal tonight. As he played, didn't points. he didn't play very well offensively against Michigan. He did defend well, and he had ten rebounds. And, and tonight he had twenty points, and I've seen eight or ten, anywhere from eight to ten. Um, rebound, so close to a double-double. Yeah. He's I mean, right up there in the Big Ten. If you can get that on this side of your stars, you need more out of your bench, but 20 points from Hauser, 8 rebounds, 6 points, 11 rebounds from Sissoko, 12 points from... Matty was better tonight, too. 12 Caught points from Aikens, 10 points from Holgard, 13 points from Walker, 8 from Hall. I mean, if you can do that and then have, you know, Kohler chip in two, you know, Holland chip in two, then Brooks chip in a three. And, and here's the thing, good. Kohler against... And, Played pretty well against Not Dickinson. Bad. He against struggled Dickinson. against Reed because Reed could put the ball on the floor. Tonight he struggled. And he struggled so much tonight that he played about two minutes and never saw the floor again. But Cooper came in and did a really good job. And Cooper made a couple of nice plays in the Michigan game as well. So that's a promising development for Michigan State from the bigs' perspective. Holloman yeah, can come in and that. give you a little bit They're here and there. They're growing up. Pierre Brooks has been a little bit persona non grata the last I, couple games. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I, I don't think he lasts. I think he's going to leave. Yeah, I kind I kind of get the sense with what Michigan State's got coming in. I don't. Think it's he pretty lasts. well established with what they've got. I I agree. I I don't. I think he's good enough to play at Michigan State, but I just don't. He doesn't quite buy it on defense, and you're not going to play unless you're Hogard, who plays good defense most of the time, but makes mistakes. Unless you're a guy like that, or like Hauser, who I yell at for his defense probably more often than Izzo does, but like. You can trade off. Like, if Hauser's going to put up 20 points, you're going to put up with him giving up a couple baskets. But, like, Pierre Brooks, and he hasn't been shooting the ball as well lately, if he's not going to score points and he's not going to defend, he's not going to play, and he's not going to like that. And I still think he's going to be key down the stretch because somebody's going to get tired, somebody's going to get dinged or whatever. But it would not surprise me to see him at the end of the season say, you know what, I can go play, you know, Probably somewhere better than the MAC, but maybe I can play somewhere like you know, I don't know, like a Wichita State or something, which is not quite MAC, but not quite Big Ten, and play and go have some success. I hope he doesn't because I think he's a nice player. I think he's a nice role player. He's yeah. never going to be a star at Michigan State. Um, if he can accept that, great. I hope he can. Um, but you know, in today's, today's day and age, day and age, today's day and age, that is a hard thing to accept. So. Yeah, generally speaking, really, really happy. But Michigan State, I mean, State is. real quick, I mean, they've grown up. 
this team last year, if that happens, you get down five, you know, six lead starts as well against Wisconsin, they lose that game by double digits, no doubt. Two years ago, same thing happens. They have some. They're battle tested. They have grit. It's guard play. AJ guard, wasn't playing well until the end, and he he stepped play up when they needed wins him. you games in March, and that's free throws. Has. Sixteen for seventeen from the stripe. Oh, a game after Izzo lamented, we don't get to the free throw line enough. They did a really good job of getting the stripe. Now some of those are at the end when you're getting fouled, but still, and they made them. You know, I mean, minus Malik missing the one on the and one opportunity um, at the end of the game, the lowest level. Percentage shooter Michigan State on the floor was Aikens at 75%. I'll take it. Because I am a firm believer that there's no excuse for anybody to shoot less than 70%. A big should shoot 70%. A guard should shoot 80 plus percent. It, it, there's no reason not to. And Michigan State has been doing that well in games at key junctures this season. And it'll be interesting. You know, they got a big game against Illinois on Friday. Big, 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 um, big, big I don't game. expect, I expected, I hoped for a split this week. I don't expect them to win that game, but. Hey, you never know. You know what? Crazier things. And then Purdue on MLK Day at two thirty in the afternoon. We have their number at home on the road. Yeah, no. Michigan State does play well against Purdue, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Edie. Do you just let him get his thirty points and just don't let the guards beat you? That's you know, what I do. Foster and or Foster's brother and Smith and those guys. I mean, make it tough for him, but yeah, like I, I think they did a good job when they the way they switched defenses up on Dickinson. They just didn't straight him up, straight up him every time. I don't they think he, just double he's him gotten better at passing, but I don't think he's great. No. So I mean, if you throw weird like looks at him like you did Dickinson, sometimes you double down, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you bring with him, it's about side, position. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. You know, like Dickinson has that. He's a pretty good like left left hand hook, and he can hit the turn on jumper. He can't shoot the ball. He's all hook shot or layup or dunk. Yeah, he's still pretty. Big and bulky and awkward, but he's seven foot four, so <laughs> of course he is. Yeah, he's a big boy. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Unless you have anything else on college hoops, nope. so you can get to scramble. Um, we're gonna do this. I forgot in the NFL to pick the uh, who we have yeah, our picks the in the scramble because there's not a ton to do it right now. Um, Seahawks, Niners. I hope the 49ers kick the living crap out of them. I think they will. I hope K nine does well because I it's been fun to watch him, but I think the 49ers will win. Yeah, I agree. Chargers, Jags. Uh, you know, in week four, the Chargers got blown out by the Jags at Los Angeles. I think it's going to be a great game. But I think Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, I think the playoff experience of Doug Peterson pays off, and they win a close game because of their of their defense. I do. I think that's the most intriguing game, I think so, too. I think the Jags are going to um, do it. It's hard I don't. What time is that game? Is it an evening game? I believe it's hard for a West Coast team to come all the way to the East Coast. We see that in the regular season. It's not going to be. A, I don't think it'll. And be the a Chargers got game, crapped on the other night by the Broncos, and they played terrible. They did, and they played with starters for a half. Well, I mean, they're still losing to them, and that's the Chargers. Yeah, I don't Broncos. know. I horrible. I kind of want to believe in the Jags because I don't. I I like the fact that you know they're an up and comer. I I've. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like that team. I like. I think Doug Peterson's a great coach. I think that the Chargers are going to win. All right. Uh, Bills, Dolphins, I'm going to be close. No, Bills. Bills. Not Bills. Uh, Giants versus Vikings. Vikings had to make some record field goal the last time to beat them. I think it's going to be a good game. I think the Vikings are pulled off because they're home. But I wouldn't be surprised. The Giants are kind of feisty. Vikings arguably have the best 
offense in the NFC, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. Um, maybe the Eagles are better, but I think that the, they get the win. I don't know that it'll come down to a field goal. Um, the Giants are feisty. The Giants are decent, but I, I think the Vikings, they got something to prove. I think they'll play with a little chip. I think Cousins will play great, um, especially coming off that Green Bay game. Um, they handled Chicago pretty easily in Chicago with a lot of their backups in the second half. I think that the Vikings will win that game. Ravens-Bengals, I don't think this is going to be close either. Bengals just kind of torched them. Bengals the are going to do it. Joe Shiesty. Yep, I would agree with that. Cowboys-Bucks, I yeah. hate both teams. I hate Tom Brady more, and I want the Cowboys to win, so we'll go with the Cowboys. I mean, look, it wouldn't surprise me to see some Brady magic. The Cowboys played pretty piss poor the other night against Washington. They kind of fold and choke when it comes to the playoffs. Like can they Dak do, they, do it? They've got, but I, I, I don't know. They've got good talent, but Mike Evans has started to come on strong for Tampa Bay lately. As much as I hate to say it, because I don't want Brady and to advance, I think Tampa's going to win that game. All right, I could see that too. I really could. All right, um, other scramble. Um, Let's talk about that golf tournament that happened over the weekend. That was a pretty good kind of one, an huh? epic choke by Morikawa. He had oh. a, at one point, I think he had what a nine, seven shot lead at least. Rom bogeyed the first hole, and he was nowhere. He wasn't even like in the thought process on Sunday. Morikawa was cruising. He went sixty some holes without a bogey, and just and then had three in a row, and Rom got on fire, and Rom won by two, I think it was. So. Poor, poor Morikawa. That's the second time he's blown a 54-hole lead lately, too. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have scar tissue from this. Because I think he's a really one of the more talented guys on tour. It's his putting. It, was, no, it wasn't even his Well, putting. he actually he it was did. Actually, chipping. I, read, I read the stats, actually. His putting was his like putting second. His putting was the best it's been. Yeah, his, he changed his grip. His putting was like, he was second in, in it was strokes. His, it was around the green. His strokes yeah. gained around the green just like mistakes, one of the worst. So. Just like bad it's hard shit. it's like the yips I mean, I mean granted i mean it's in hawaii you know with the weird grass you know going with the grain and stuff like bermuda it's hard um but it's hard just to you know to sit there and look at that beautiful scenery and be yeah, hard that enough was, that was phenomenal that 18 on that on that course is awesome the 40 second rollout by spieth or i think that was spieth yeah that was crazy that's pretty. Fun. That's always a fun tournament to watch because it's like all the guys that won the year before, and so and there's no cut, so you know everybody's going to be competitive. Very few scores over par um, for any particular round. You know, Rom shot what ten under, nine under on the last day. Yeah, I mean under. a lot of those I mean, sixty-three that's, that's scores. Of course, you can get yeah. not many bogeys, especially if the wind is down. Morikawa's the only guy to make three bogeys in a row. Um, if that says anything, that's tough. Um, yeah, well, we got the Sony Open coming up. Hideki is trying to defend. That was he won a playoff last year. Um, fun, kind of fun tournament. Wiley right on the ocean. Some interesting holes. Seventeen, eighteen are kind of sweet. Um, so we'll see what happens. But we're gonna pick. Um, I'm I'm going Russell Henley um, and Keegan Bradley as my two this week. Um, and we're starting a new rule. We can't pick the same guy twice. Um, unless, in unless in majors, you can pick whoever you want, um, for that. But. Yep. So I'm going to go with, uh, Tom Kim, who's actually, I think one of the Thomas. favorites this week, Thomas, the tank engine. I like yeah, the he way played he played well. last week, he played really well. He's kind of an unflappable 20 year old. Um, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head who else I picked. Cause I did this on FanDuel already. 
Ryan uh, Brim. Yeah, no, not Ryan Brim. I thought about him for a little while last week because he was like plus 100,000 and he actually was up on the leaderboard on day one and then I think he actually ended up finishing last, Ryan Brim of Michigan State Spartan fame. Um, Let's see here. Oh, Harris English, a guy that I've always liked to pick. He had a really good year a couple years ago, then he was kind of dinged up last year, but um, he's plus 4,500. I I like him. He's a good player. He's due. Good picks there. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else golf? I feel like nothing else really golf-wise. Um, nope. Just finalizing my first trip. We finalized our trip. Going to play a new course that we can report on in the summer when we play Nate Manistee. Manistee National. National. I don't know there. if we've played the South Arcadia South and reported. No, on we that haven't one. reported so we can, it yet. We'll three, three, three courses in one week that we. Well, can maybe we'll on. maybe this summer we'll we'll get to some other courses or in the area or oh. Michigan and. Report on those as well. Maybe South Carolina too. Maybe we'll get around there. Yeah, maybe get around on there. Cool. You you can do one when you go on your trip, wherever you end up going. But you have anything else for the scramble? I mean, NFL coaching changes. Um, Cardinals, like I I expected. You predicted, yeah. Yeah. Texans Col- was kind of a surprise. Texans. Colts, I would expect. Panthers, uh, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if more will. I mean, Sean McVay's mulling retirement. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. He's allowing his coaches to go lateral, which is interesting. Is not usually you can only do that with permission. Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting because he doesn't know what he's going to do. So. The Chargers is an interesting one for me. I feel like if they lose, they might get rid of the guy, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Sean Payton get that job if it happened, or Miami for that matter. And I could see Sean Payton going there and bringing Tom Brady with him. Um, that's what I've heard. New Orleans, they thought might open. I don't know if it will. Um, same with Washington. Still haven't. They fired their offensive coordinator. Um, Titans fired a bunch of co- bunch of coaches. Um, trying to think if anyone else is going to fight. I feel like that's it. Tis the season of change. Unless like a, and Belichick says he's coming back for at least one more year. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But that's uh, that's four downs. Let's get to the sprint. Um, what's your, uh, your early, uh, Super Bowl matchup prediction? Oh man, the AFC playoffs, I think are going to be I think it's going to be electric. The NFC, it's interesting because the only pause that I have on my pick, and I'm going to pick 49ers out of the NFC, is can Brock Purdy kind of continue the magic? Jimmy G might come I, I think they have enough, uh, you know, other players to support him on offense and a great defense. So I'm going to go with the 49ers out of the NFC AFC is, man, I, I mean, I could see the Bengals, I could see the Bills, I could see the Chiefs. Um, I, those three for sure. Bills, Chiefs could come down to a coin toss, right? For Or no, a, a neutral site game, right, if it's them. I don't know. I, well, let's just say the Bills are going to be the, the team you, of destiny based on Hamlin and all that stuff. Me? So uh, I'm going to go Bills 49ers. That's who I have. That'd, yeah. be, that'd yeah. be a good matchup. I'd like that. Uh, so you think Ben Johnson will uh, return to the Honolulu Blue next year? I think he will for one more year, and if he has another yep. year, then he can next have, he year, can pick whatever job he wants. Yeah, then I don't think he's head coach ready yet anyway, and I don't think he's going to want to leave that staff as an OC because he's got a good rapport with Goff. Even if the Lions go out and get a quarterback in the draft that they kind of let sit behind Goff to to get better. He's got great receivers. He's got serviceable tight ends. He's got really good running backs. He's got a fantastic offensive line. Where is he already going to have that put together? 
So I think no he stays. Worries. I think he stays. I agree. So who's I, I thought of this because of we've talked about saving a little bit doing doing the you know announcing color commentating thing. Um, what current PGA player would you think would be a good announcer after they retire? I, we would have said Phil before, but obviously that's not going to happen with him. All this garbage. Um, so who? Which guy do you think would be? Yeah, good I think at? Phil would have been super. He would have been great for um, CBS. Boy, that's a tough question. I think it's a ways off, but somebody like a Justin Thomas, I think, is pretty good. Copying me, that's what I said. Um, yeah, I think even somebody like a Ricky Fowler. Yeah, Ricky would be good. probably He's be very really personable. Good. He might be more of an on-course guy, but you know, the Golf Channel's got some really, really good on-course. And CBS Smiley Coffin's really good now. They've got they you know they nice. got they got rid of guys like Maltby and stuff. Who it's too bad because they were awesome too. But they've got some good young guys out there. Um, yeah, that's kind of. I'd probably go with JT. That's a ways off though. All right, um, last one. What chain has the best coffee? Oh, man. Well, I drink out of the Keurig at home because I'm not going to pay $3 for a large coffee every day from Starbucks. So I drink Starbucks dark roast or French roast every day out of the Keurig, which I really do like. I mean, I minus when mom brings home the Dunkin' Donuts dark roast. But if I'm on the road and I'm traveling and I see a Dunkin', and I see a, a Starbucks next to each other. I'm going with a Dunkin' Dark mm. Roast Cream and Sugar. Yep. They Their cream and sugar mix is the same every time. Their Dark Roast is really good. I like their coffee the best. Yeah, I agree. Dunkin's really good. Plus they have their donuts, not that frou-frou other stuff. Yeah. D- Starbucks is good, but... Starbucks Dunkin is good. Dunkin' is, is pretty Dunkin's good. Dunkin's a, a little bit better. That's 106. Um, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Um, we went long tonight. Yeah, Gave you some did. extra time. We did. Um if you guys have anything you want to hear, let us know with college football being done. Um, any topics you want us to discuss, any questions you might have. Um, yeah, shoot, shoot them our way. Um, if you have any ideas for, you know, anyone wants to be a sponsor, um, if anyone wants to uh, be a guest on the show, know of anyone that could be a guest, let us know. Fire them our way. We can try to set that up. Um, Appreciate you guys listening. That's 106. Uh, Couldn't do this without you guys. Um, Appreciate it. And let's hope tomorrow's an off night. Uh, Go Dutch. Beat those boys and down the up the road up the the rivalry, baby. Um, Go get them. Um, Win. That'd be four in a row. No, five in a row. Five in a row. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Let's go. Go Dutch. All right, another shout-out to our sponsor, Team Anders Realty, for being a loyal sponsor since the beginning of the podcast and likely to renew again. But again, we are wide open to other sponsor ideas, so let Ryan know. Meantime, in honor of the Lions' great finish, as Dan Campbell said in September, it doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass.